Hi, and welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel, Kuala Lumpur Online. We hope that the following message will be a blessing to you as you seek to walk with the Lord in spirit and in truth. For more information about our church, please visit www.harvestkl.org or click the link in the description below. Good morning, family and friends at Harvest Call and Poor. My name is Dan Hammer. I have the privilege of being the senior pastor at Harvest Bible Chapel, Annapolis. Uh, and here in Maryland, in the U.S., we are about 25 minutes outside of the United States, but 25 minutes away from Baltimore, Maryland. And so we just want you to know um, that we love you, uh, that we have had the privilege of being in gospel partnership now for four or five years together. And we are just so thankful and blessed um, by you. And it's just a joy uh, to be together this morning. I will give anything to be there in person Um Four years ago, I had the absolute privilege of getting on a plane and traveling halfway across the world, literally, to spend about two weeks of the most formative time in my life with you in Kuala Lumpur. And we, I went over with an elder from another church that is also a partner with you guys and met up with Pastor Nate and just literally ate our way uh, through Malaysia. And so we had some of the best food I've ever eaten in my life, whether it was Nathu uh, durian even wasn't that bad, um, and Indian food, Iranian food, you name it. But more than anything, the joy of just connecting with you, worshiping with you, uh, just really filled my heart. I just want you to know that we are constantly in prayers for you, um, and you are not alone. Oh, I know it's a very uh, important time in the life of Harvest Kuala Lumpur, and it has been many times before. And I want you to know the God who's been faithful before is a God who will be faithful now, uh, when uh, Elder Gupreet asked me if I would preach uh, a, a message for you guys and with you guys, it was just, it was just joy filled my heart. Uh, love Gupreet, love Bethany, um, love Dan, um, love so many of you um, that have had to know, gotten to know personally over the years, um, and everyone that even I don't know personally. I just want you to know, uh, love you, and am with you. As we conclude the study of the book of Philippians this morning, um, the words of Paul, the sentiment of Paul just really resonates with me as I think about you, because the reality is, is that this letter to the Philippian church from the Apostle Paul is a ministry support letter saying, thank you for investing your lives and your finances and your people with me in the ministry. I'm, I might be in jail as Paul is writing from jail, and um, but I'm not alone. Paul is writing back to a church that he loved, that he planted, that he cares deeply for 10 to 12 years ago and has continued relationship with. And so when I read the book of Philippians, I, our friends, I think of you. And uh, so this is a very personal passage for me. And I pray it's a very personal passage for you that it comes alive and that it fills your heart and your life today. Um, the title for this uh, message is Together for the Gospel, because that's really the heartbeat of the book of Philippians. And Paul is going to conclude uh, the whole book in chapter four this way. We're going to be in Philippians chapter four, beginning in verse two, if you want to get a head start there this morning. I don't know what you're walking through. 
but I want you to know this reality uh, that God has called us to a mission. He's called us to a mission that he initiated when he sent Jesus to die, the death that you and I didn't couldn't pay, uh, to pay the price that you and I couldn't pay for ourselves for our sins. And then in the same way, he sent us out on mission, but he didn't send us alone. He sent us together, not only with the Holy Spirit of God, which is amazing that we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us, but he sent us out together. Whether we are in proximity geographically or not, we are to live together faithfully on mission for God. As we're going to see today in the book of Philippians and, and chapter four, as we conclude, the big idea for this message is this, is that the strength for this mission comes from the source of the mission. The strength for the mission comes from the source of the mission, and that is Jesus Christ. I know the reality is, is that your, your theme for this year is rise up, let us rise, let us go from here, to step out in faith, to live on mission, to continue to pursue the Lord's work. And I'm so thankful for you, and I'm so thankful for Harvest KL, and I'm so thankful for your faithfulness over the years and the very difficulties and difficult times that you have faced um, throughout the, the existence of Harvest KL. And I'm, I'm excited for whatever God has ahead. And I want you to know that we are with you no matter what God has ahead. And that every step of the way that we would rise and that we would go and that we would walk in faith, that we would walk in joy. Paul's going to talk about that today. And so we're going to look today at how we can be strengthened for the mission, because Paul knows what it's like to face adversity. He knows what it's like to have a critical point of ministry because he has one right now. He is living in jail. He is under house arrest. He literally, as you have studied in the book of Philippians up until now, he doesn't know whether he's going to live or whether he's going to die. But what he does know is that whether I live or die, whether it's for Christ, to live as Christ, to die as gain, and may I live for the glory of God. He says it in chapter one, that whether I live, I will continue to glorify God. Whether I die, I will glorify God. And friends at Harvest KL, no matter what happens in the days ahead, if God provides a pastor or he doesn't, or whatever path God leads, may you live it for the glory of God because you are continually on mission for God. Uh, Paul knows what it's like to live with uncertainty. He literally didn't know if the Romans were going to kill him. Paul knows what it's like to be uncomfortable. Paul knows what it's like to not know what tomorrow holds. And so whatever you're feeling, he gets you. And so this, I pray that you will find yourself, that you will find your heart in this story, in the text of God's word. And may it be a balm to your soul and may it encourage you and exhort you along the way. But let's pray right now before we proceed. Father, I just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for this opportunity to be with my friends, my family, and, and Kuala Lumpur. God, I miss them so much. My heart longs to be together. And I just have the utmost confidence that you are at work in a mighty way. Father God, I just pray that they would know that they are not alone, that you are with them, and so are we. This glorious calling that you have laid before us to live for you, to live on mission for you, to live out of the love that you have already bestowed upon us, Father God. God, I pray that it would fill their hearts first, that they would fall more and more in love with you. And God, that you would just bring them peace and inspire them to live on mission for you. Father God, I just pray that you would lead us in these next few moments that we have, that you would silence my words and Jesus, that you would flow. Holy Spirit, I pray that your word would do what it promises. God, that you would convict us and compel us, encourage us and exhort us, that we would have a bigger vision of who you are. And God, that we will live more and more in love with you and live more and more sense for you and by you as we carry that love that fills us 
And as we share that love with a hurting world that is around us, God, we love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in Philippians chapter four, beginning in verse two, all the way through 23 today. Um, We're going to look today at different ways, have five different ways that we can be strengthened for the mission. Again, the big idea is that the strength for the mission comes from the source of the mission. The source of the mission is Jesus Christ, as Paul has so beautifully laid out all throughout the previous chapters of the book of Philippians. And, And so as we enter into the text today, I pray that we will keep that in mind. Here are five different ways that we can live strengthened for the mission And the mission doesn't stop even when our our proximity changes. The mission doesn't stop even uh, when we move from one church to another. The mission doesn't stop when one pastor transitions out and another one comes in. The mission continues. So here is the word of the Lord beginning in verse 2 of chapter 4. Paul writes this as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit. He says, I entreat Judea and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So what's the first way that we can be strengthened for the mission? The first way is this, to be strengthened for the mission, we have to refocus on gospel centrality. We have to refocus our hearts on gospel centrality. I believe that going back to chapter one, that the the central, the theme verse, if you would, for all of the book of Philippians is found in verse 27 of chapter one, where Paul writes that only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. It is about living life together for the gospel. And we see those words again echoed here in chapter four. It's about unity in the gospel. It's about the centrality of the gospel, which leads to unity in the gospel, which sends us on mission for the gospel. And so Paul says this, he's again, he's talking about Judea and Syntyche, two women who are having a disagreement within the church. Now, we are human. The beauty of church is that we are called out, set apart people. The church is not a building. And I know that you've been experiencing a long extended lockout and lockdown and move with restrictions on movement in Malaysia for so long during this pandemic and your faithfulness. I just want to thank you for your faithfulness. The church is not a building. We can gather online. It's a called out group of people who are gathered together, unified in the gospel and sent out on mission for God. So along the way, Utica and Syntyche have, have served, have labored, Paul says, side by side with him, living out his calling in verse 20, 27, chapter 1. But something's happened. There's a disagreement. There's a butting of heads. And we don't know exactly what it's about. We just know that this happens, right? Disagreements happen in churches. Disagreements happen in small groups. They happen on elder teams. They happen on the staff. The question isn't just what, if when the disagreement comes, will it come? Because it will, because you are coexisting with fallen, sinful, fleshly human beings. The question is, will you allow your flesh to be at the forefront? Or will you anchor your heart and life in the centrality of the gospel? Is the gospel just one thing? If you think about a bicycle, a spoke on a wheel, Or is it the hub of which every other spoke comes? If Jesus is at the center, then your priorities, your preferences, your personal opinions all bow to the sovereignty of Jesus. And as Paul was so eloquently and adequately stated all throughout this book, that living with humility in God means considering others before myself. 
See, I believe that Paul right here is calling the church, especially, and especially Yudi and Sinsuke, back into a refocusing on the centrality of the gospel. Because what happens is when we get out of whack, we end up in the ditch. When my personal preference for a worship song or a color of a carpet or a way to do ministry, or how to spend money begins to supersede the centrality of the gospel, then disunity happens. And man, that's easy to happen, isn't it? We all have personal preferences. And honestly, they're probably different. Praise God for that. You don't want a church full of me. I would drive you all nuts, right? That's why we have the body, different callings, different giftedness, different uh, perspectives, different personalities. But we have to stay unified on the centrality of the gospel, or else we will go nowhere. And I believe that Paul is calling us back to that. We have to be united about what, around what unites us. We have to anchor in that as opposed to what tries to divide us, because the world wants to divide us with any and everything. So we have to continue to die to ourselves and go back to Philippians chapter 2, where it talks about humility and, and remember that we are to have the mind of Christ, not the mind of self, but the mind of Christ. And Jesus modeled humility. He modeled mission. He did it first. He made the first move. And he considered you and I better than himself. He humbled himself and took on the form of a servant, even death on a cross, so that every name will then exalt him right? So exaltation is worship. Worship means ascribing worth. Worship, that means that as we live out in the body of Christ, the one and others, I'm going to consider you before me. I'm going to prioritize your preferences before my own. I'm going to lift high the name of Jesus. I'm going to refocus on the centrality of the gospel. I'm going to make him the name that is above every name, especially my own name. And I'm going to lower myself like John 3.30 or John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. Friends, where are you pounding the table for your preference. And trust me, I know that this is a very sensitive topic, especially with the big decisions that are being ha happening right now. We all have preferences, and I pray that you would openly communicate with love, with grace, with respect, your preferences to your elders or who are doing a phenomenal job. And as, as well as Pastor Nate and Larry are pouring out to them, I love those brothers, love all of them, know them all, care for them all, believe in them all. And as you give your input, I pray that you would keep the centrality of the gospel focus on your heart, that it wouldn't be about this person wants this and I want that, but the bet with reorient, let's ask the better, the right question. What does Jesus want? Not what I want. May we humble our hearts and refocus in the gospel. Not what is best for me, but what is best for he, what does God want us to do? Because that's what it's like to rise up and go so that we can live on mission for God. It's laying down my rights. By the way, we don't have rights. We surrender them at the foot of the cross when we follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. Lord means boss. And let's pursue righteousness. Let's stop trying to be right. And let's start trying to be righteous. Let's refocus on gospel centrality. And as you do that, you will find yourself strengthened afresh for the mission. It's exhausting having superfluous fighting over personal preferences just spinning around, going nowhere. We move forward together when we lay our preferences down and pick up Jesus's cross and move forward. Let's recenter the heart. Where are you personally preferring yourself over your savior? And that demonstrates itself in the fruit of your life. You can have a preference, but talk with gentleness and humility. Be willing to work towards consensus. Listen more than you speak. Be gentle, be loving. I know it's personal. It's personal to Jesus too. And by the way, this is Jesus's church. 
he will build it and the gates of hell will not overcome it nor a global pandemic so let's refocus on gospel centrality it's the first way we're to be strengthened for the mission the second way is this is to rejoice in god's presence to rejoice in god's presence the text says this uh paul continues in verse four he says rejoice in the lord always again i will say rejoice how many and we need to hear that more than once right rejoice let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Other versions say petition. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus forever. I love that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Friends, are you rejoicing right now? It's hard to rejoice in the lockdown. It's hard to rejoice when the uncertainty of the church is not known. It's, it's, well, that's very known, but the future isn't known. It's hard to rejoice when your own part, I know, is unknown. When family and friends continue to move, and I can I tell you that I understand in a way, I know Kuala Lumpur is a very transient area where expats come and they go and in vast numbers, we live right outside of D.C. Half of our church is U.S. military. People come and go for one, two, three years. We say a lot of goodbyes. To love deeply is to hold loosely. Grief is the price of love. You don't miss something. You don't grieve something you didn't love. We must always be willing to pay that price because, friends, may we never stop loving. And may we never stop rejoicing. But the rejoicing here is so important. Often we tie our joy into external circumstances. That's not joy. That might be happiness. Joy is much deeper than happiness. Joy is not conditional on whether your team wins a game or you get the job promotion or you get good grades or you get the dates you want to go out with you. That might be happiness. Happiness is fleeting. Joy is constant because joy is anchored in the unchanging character of God the unchanging character of God, the unchanging presence of God, the unchanging promises of God, and the unchanging finished work of the gospel of God. Death has been defeated. Jesus has been raised. Hell hath no victory. Death hath no sting. Praise God. Amen. So no matter if we're in a lockdown, we can rejoice because we have Jesus's victory and because God is near. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says it twice. For those of us that need to hear it twice, I probably need to hear it a lot more than twice. Let your reasonableness, that means gentleness, that means considering others more important than yourself, be known to everyone. Is that you? That strengthens you for the mission. Why, why, why? The answer is right here. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. Jesus is here. Isn't that awesome? The Holy Spirit is inside of you. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is inside of you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Praise God. We can rejoice for that. And we can rejoice for that tomorrow and the next day. Because nothing is changing that. No circumstance no job, no human person, no grade is going to change those realities. And so we can always and should always be rejoicing. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. But we need to verbalize that. 
We need to remember that. We need to think about it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So much here, we could talk weeks about this passage. It's a very well-known passage, but it's so, so, so important. Can I know this? That Man, I pray for peace for you. But the peace of God is not a... It's not based on a conditional thing. It's a supernatural thing. It literally says that right here. The peace of God, which surpasses your understanding in mind. How can I have peace in my pain? I don't know. God's word says it. So I believe it because God is with me in it. And his peace doesn't just passively hang out in my heart. And in my head, it proactively guards my heart and my mind. It is a literal mind-blowing peace that comes through prayer. The pathway to enduring peace is fervent prayer. If you want peace in your life, get on your knees and stay there. I love the fact that your church is having a focus and a call to prayer right now. We are with you. We are praying with you. I love that your elders are praying after the service. I pray and I challenge you right now to stay on after the service, to pray with your elders and seek the face of the Lord together. The power of God's church is not in a strategic plan. It's in the Holy Spirit, the unleashing of the Holy Spirit. And that comes through the supernatural seeking of God, the humbling of my heart and saying, God, I'm at the end of myself. I don't know what to do, as Jehoshaphat said in 2 Chronicles 20, but my eyes are on you. I don't know what to do. But God, I'm going to drop to my knees. I'm going to fast. I'm going to deny myself of this world. And I'm going to rejoice for who you are because I know I have victory. And because I know I have the victory in you that has victory over the anxiety and the worry, as Jesus teaches in Matthew. He says, I know what you need. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom and then every other physical need will be added to you. Friends, are you seeking first the kingdom? Are you rejoicing for what you do have and what Jesus has done? Or are you anxious because your focus is on what you don't have and what you think you need? That's where anxiety and worry comes when your focus is on the world and not Jesus. And I know that, look, there are some absolute anxiety issues that are, are, are given, uh, happen at birth and are medical conditions. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about when you focus your mind on the world and the worries and what you think you need, as opposed to rejoicing for what you already have in Jesus and the fact that God himself is here. He's at hand. He's at work in ways you can't see. We sing Waymaker, right? God, I believe that you're working. Even when I can't say it, friends, you need to believe that right now. You need to proclaim God's promises into your problems. You need to preach to yourself. You have first person you need to proclaim the gospel to is myself. Because the problem isn't out there. It's in here. My heart that begins to stray and to worry. I need to worship through my worry. In Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the reality that even though Jesus is the one, the victory, we're in a war. And our weapon is the verbal proclamation of God's word. That's our sword of the spirit, right? Rhema is the word used. Paul uses in in Ephesians 6, where it talks about the sword of the spirit, it is literally not the written word, not logos, but it is the spoken word, the verbal proclamation. We need to proclaim God's promises to ourselves and into our situations. God, I, I don't know what to do, but you got this. 
You have fought for me before. You're going to fight for me now. And then my anxiety begins to dissipate because my, my identity is not wrapped up in whether I get this tangential, circumstantial, earthly thing. But as Paul already wrote in Ephesians in the chapter four, everything pales in comparison to the surpassing greatness of God. And that I already have. So therefore I'm going to rejoice and therefore I'm not going to be anxious. And I know that in Romans, 12, Romans 8, Paul talks about the reality that no one can separate me from the love of God. A lockdown can't separate me. The future of the church can't separate me. People coming and going can't separate me. Because even when people leave, God is still with me. And my identity, my confidence has to be in God. My sufficiency has to be sought in God. And my strength has to come from God. Because if I put my sufficiency, if I seek my sufficiency, if I source my strength in anything outside of God, I will fail and I will fall and I will be anxious and I will be worried. But when I rejoice because I already have the Holy Spirit who leads me into all truth, who sustains me, who guides me, who loves me. When I remember that I have God, the son, Jesus Christ advocating for me, Romans 8 on the right hand of God praying for me. And I have the Holy Spirit of God advocate when I don't have the strength to pray. He is praying for me, Romans 8 again. I'm strengthened. I rejoice in that God is going to protect my heart and my mind proactively. So friends, where will you rejoice in God's presence today? Where will you seek the face of the Lord? Will you pray personally? Will you pray corporately? Will you pray collectively? Will you humble yourself to follow the leading of the Lord? Will you go wherever God calls you to go and do whatever he calls you to do? I don't know what God's calling you to do. I just know that God is calling you to do it. And as Corey Tim Boom once famously said, never be afraid to trust an unknown, uh, an unknown future to a known God. Praise God, amen. The third way that I am strengthened for the mission is after, as I refocus on gospel centrality, as I rejoice in God's presence, I need to remember God's character. Look with me if you would at verses eight and nine. Paul writes, finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, what, if anything is excellent, if anything is worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace, promise here, promise friends, will be with you as we remember God's character. As we remember who God is and what he has done, the peace of God will fill us. Amen. Friends, we need to choose to remember. We need to choose to reset our minds. Are you focusing on what is honorable? What is just this morning? What is pure? What is lovely? Or is your mind in the gutter? Is your mind in the uncertain future? Is your mind in the worry and the wonder of this world? Or is it anchored in the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ? The character of God that is unchanging. The power of God that is unstoppable. The love of God that is unconditional. The grace of God that is unending. The mercy of God that is new every morning. That is enough for you. It's your portion. Paul is saying here, reset your minds. It's the same thing he writes in Romans chapter 12 too when he says, Renew your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Friends, as you seek 
the future of the church, as you seek your personal future, will you today renew your minds on the character of God and draw a confidence in that? Will you reset? Think about a computer. Like you ever get the spiral of death? It's like, I can't do anything right now. What do you have to do? We have to reboot. Guys, we have to reboot our minds every day. Our minds wander all over the place. The victory has been won, but the battle spiritually are being fought every day. And the battleground is my heart and your heart and my mind and your mind. And Satan is not sitting idly by, but he has no power over you unless you let him. Friends, you got to fight. We have to renew our minds in God's truth. We got to take out the trash. We got to get the lies out and replace it with God's truth. We got to fill ourselves on the word of God. Jesus says, as you eat of my bread, my body, you will never be hungry. Again, as you drink of my living water, you'll never be thirsty. We have to consume God's word and God's character so much that we don't have any room for the lies of the world. We need to remember God's character. We need to put into practice these habits of remembering. Write, I want to challenge you this week to write down, maybe every day, journal or put it on social media or share it with your small group, who God is to you and what he's done for you. Remember, a mentor, big mentor, I'm an army colonel, drilled into me, always, always, always remember. Remember who God is. That's why the whole Bible, the Old Testament, is full of monuments. Remember who I am. Call to mind my greatness. Tell your kids and their kids about how I parted the Red Sea, about I parted this river so that you can once again walk over and claim the promised land that I already promised you. See, I am a faithful God. I was faithful then. I am faithful now. I was loving then. I will be loving now. The same God that was faithful to you, friends, last year, last month, last decade, will be faithful. The God that has seen Harvest KL through incredible tragedy, through many, many transitions, will continue to be faithful to Harvest KL today. Amen? Let's renew our minds on that truth. Let's recall that to mind. Let's pull up the anchors of your heart that yield to the gospel of God and remind us of the glory of God. Let's set our minds on these things. I, throughout all my office, and I'm standing in my office right now, I've Memorials set up, if you would, tokens, pictures of, of God's faithfulness, of, of gospel partnerships around the world, so that I can remember these things. Because I have to renew my mind. I have to reset because my mind is fleeting. And can I show I want to show you a couple of them. This one that are very, very important to me, I carry with it every day. It's my wallet. I bought it in a market in Kuala Lumpur with the intentional that one, I liked it. Two, I knew I would have it with me every single day because I wanted to carry you literally with me every single day because I love you dearly and deeply. I pray for you. Every time I take my wallet out, I pray for you. In my office, I have the skyline of Kuala Lumpur up. Every time I walk in, I see it. And I think about you and I pray for you. I love you. Pray for your church. Pray for God's church in We, Our church is with you and we care about you. We have to renew. And I remember the faithfulness of God during that trip. And some crazy stuff happened, but God was providential. God worked and God moved. And so many stories, too little time right now to share. But God is faithful. Remember that. Remember God's character. 
Where do you need to remember? Where do you need to write down? What memorials do you need to make? Maybe about the history of how God has been faithful at Harvest Kuala and poor through your time there. Wouldn't that be awesome to write that down? I saw God work in my small group. I saw God bring this new leader. I saw God bring Pastor Nate. I saw God bring this worship leader. I saw God work through this disappointing circumstance. I saw God provide financially. And that confidence that you gain from remembering the character of God, wouldn't that be awesome to do as a small group or as a church team or even personally? will give you confidence again that the same God who is faithful then is faithful now and you renew your minds on what is honorable, what is lovely, what is pure, what is excellent. That's excellent, right? What is commendable, what is praiseworthy. And all of a sudden the worry begins to drift. I don't know what the future holds. I know that God holds it. So let's reflect back. Let's remember, let's reset, let's renew. Because that gives me strength and I pray it gives you strength too. Because the strength is not our own. We don't live on this mission in our own strength, but it's God's strength. The fourth, the fourth way to be strengthened today is to rest in God's power. Look with me at verses 10 through 13. I'm strengthened through the mission. As I remember the source of the mission, remember the source of the mission, the source of the strength is God himself. Verses 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through strengthened him. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. There you go, friends. The source, the strength for the mission comes from the source of the mission. Right there, Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things. I can live out this mission because I'm strengthened by the source of the mission, God himself. Now, this is one of the most misquoted verses in all of Scripture. Because what Paul is talking about here is not health and wealth or prosperity. It's not like I'm going to go make a million dollars when I set my mind to it because God, I, when, because God is for me. No. The context, the proper context is contentment. It says, I can endure long suffering. I know what it's like to be brought low. I know what it's like to be high. I know what it's like to honor God and worship God when I'm in my lowest of lows and highest of highs. And I don't know where you're at right now, but I pray that you would rest in the power of God. Paul is writing from a jail cell. He does not know if he's going to live or if he's going to die. Just like I know the future of Harvest KL is uncertain. You don't know what is going to happen in January or February. But friends, can I assure you this? God knows. God knows. So whether Harvest KL continues in this form or that form or transitions to this form or that form, Paul is saying, I, you can do it through him who strengthens you. And I pray that's true for you individually and collectively. Paul's like, I'm not speaking of being in need. What? You're in jail. I'd be like, Hey, friends, can you get the jailbreak scenario out? Can you break me out right now? Paul's like, no, 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 I got all many. I got Jesus. By the way, if you, as you look back on this, this text, you know that God allowed him to go to jail because the mission advanced while he was in jail. The whole Praetorian guard got to know the, the gospel because Paul's presence there. They wouldn't have necessarily gotten to know it if Paul wasn't in jail. Can I tell you that whatever happens with the future of your church, God is at work 
and he is going to advance his kingdom in it and through it. He's going to grow you and he's with you. So you rest in his power. Strength does not come in our circumstances, but in Christ. Contentment is not found in external conditions, but in the internal condition of the finished work in the tr- of Jesus Christ and the transformation in my heart that has come through Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is saying. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in me. I got God's good. I got all my need, all I need in Jesus. Worship means to value the right thing. What are you valuing today? We don't worship a building. We don't even worship a church. We worship a risen savior, Jesus Christ. And he is building his church. Whatever way he wants, whenever he wants, wherever he wants, however he wants. He guarantees success as we seek him, as we find our strength in him, and as we anchor our hearts in him. Rest in his power, friends. Renew your minds. The fifth and final way to be strengthened for the mission from this text is to remain in gospel partnership. Remain in gospel partnership. So first, we need to refocus on gospel centrality. Secondly, we need to rejoice in God's presence. Thirdly, we need to remember God's character. Fourthly, we need to rest in God's power. And fifth and finally, from this text, we need to remain in gospel partnership. And this is verses 14 through 23. Paul writes, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. It's like you didn't have to, but I really appreciated it. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into gospel, into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Wow, think about that. Caesar's household greet you. The gospel is spreading through Caesar's household because Paul was in jail and God is sovereign. That's awesome. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, be with your spirit. Remain in gospel partnership. I love this. And I think about you all the time. I think about what Paul is saying with Philippi, the Philippian churches here. I equate it to our relationship personally and our relationship with Harvest Annapolis, with Harvest KL, within the Great Commission Collective. Paul is saying, I had learned to be content in all my circumstances, yet I really appreciated the reality that there was one church that stayed with me. They sent him financial support. They sent him physical support and, and Epaphroditus too. There's a power of presence to encourage him while he was in jail, to stay with him for a minute. Just like you have uh, encouraged my soul, Bethany and Gerpreet came to the U.S. a couple of years ago. Man, that was such an encouragement to our church and our people leaders that got to meet them. And man, it was an encouragement to me to meet you. It's just there's something about being together in the gospel, not forsaking that. Not doing it alone, because that's not how God intended to build his church. So he always sent out people two by two. The gospel is a relational thing. 
can't do it on your own. You can't walk the Christian walk on your own. Over and over and over, every single author throughout entire entire Bible talks about the necessity of biblical community, small groups, gospel partnerships, accountability partners, church, being a church. And Paul is saying from church to church in two different countries, in two in multiple continents. Again, I think about us. There's a deep spiritual friendship and gospel partnership. The waters, the oceans cannot stop the power of God and working together for the glory of God as we serve one universal God, one universal church as we live life together. Remain in gospel partnership. I don't want to encourage you and exhort you that whatever happens in the future to remain in gospel partnership. Paul is saying, I have no church like you. You entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving. It's a two-way street, mutually encouraging, mutually beneficial, sharing and receiving. And I'm so thankful uh, for the opportunities that we have to do that and have had over the years. And hopefully we'll still have in the years to come in whatever way God would have that. They've invested financially. Are you investing financially in the work of God's ministry at your local church in KL or God's broader work? Are you giving not just your money, but your heart and your time? Epaphroditus, went, he, they sent his best. He was an encourager. You, you heard that message a couple of weeks ago. He got sick along the way. He, he gave of himself so much. He was willing to risk it all, to go, to love Paul, to be present with Paul, to represent this church. We had somebody get sick when we came over to visit you. It was all worth it. Eric, I'm not sure we can go. Like, we're going. And we came and God worked. You see, we need to trust God to work and trust him with our resources. In verse 19, my God will supply every one of your needs. Can I tell you that? Every single one of your needs, whether financial, spiritual, personal, relational, God will supply Every single one of your needs. Because again, the strength for the mission comes from the source of the mission. We are stewards. The source is God. The supplier is God. The strength is God. We are called to be obedient. We are called to be ambassadors. We are called to be uh, commissioned out for the Lord. Are you living for the Lord? Are you giving all that you have, not holding anything back? And friends, don't hold anything back right now. I know the lockout. I know the pandemic. I know the no movement causes. I know the uncertainty of the church. I know the hurt and the pain that you're feeling, the, the weariness, all of those things. Satan's like, draw back. And God's saying, go all in. The details might change. I don't know. But go all in for me and your brothers and your sisters on each side. I love sports. I, I have a work with so many military. I'm a team guy. I will lay my life down for you, the brother and the sister to my right and to my left, the one another is the living on mission together for the gospel. Friends, remain in gospel partnership, biblical community. That is how God designed it. He called 12 disciples. They lived life together. He had an inner three. He never just did a one-on-one. It's just you and me in the world. It's everybody together for the gospel. Churches working together, stronger together. And I pray that you would lean in together. And I thank you so much for your history of doing that. You have blessed me. You have blessed our church here in, in Maryland. And you've blessed so many churches around the world. And God is continuing to work. God has used you to plant multiple churches. God has used you to send the gospel into unreached people groups. In the countries that I could never walk in, God has sent you. It is a joy and a privilege to support you, live life with you, and walk in ministry together with you. I really believe with all my heart, God's best is yet to come. Whatever the details are, whatever his plan is, you're not alone. 
we are in this with you. I want you to know that we love you and we are here for you. We care for you and we are praying fervently for you and anything that we can do for you, we're in. Friends, we love you. And as Paul concluded here, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Don't miss that. Caesar, the political leader, the gospel had spread through Paul in such a way that the believers in Caesar's household are greeting others in the church of Philippi. Mind-blowing. The gospel of God cannot be stopped. You can chain the messenger. You can't stop the message. One season might come and change in a way. The Savior will still reign. He is still sovereign, and he will still go forth. And the grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Again, the source, the strength. Because the strength for the mission comes from the source of the mission. The source of the mission is God's grace. It's his gospel. It's his character. It's his love. And may that sustain you today, and may it sustain you tomorrow. May it lead you as you make difficult decisions. Can I tell you this? Can I promise you this? I pray that you draw peace in this. God already knows the future of your church because it's his church. God holds you right now in the palm of his righteous right hand, and he is not letting go. God has it, and God has you, and God loves you, and he is with you. He died for you, Jesus did. He was raised for you and he strengthens you and he sanctifies you and he sends you and he gets to spend eternity with you. And he is so excited about that. Friends, we are together with you in this today, yesterday and every day. I just pray right now that you would refocus on the gospel centrality. Don't get distracted by the details. I know they're overwhelming, but go back to the basics Go back to the heart of why we exist, if any church exists, that you would rejoice in God's presence. No matter what happens, know that God is with you. May you rejoice. May you worship like crazy with reckless abandon because our God is a consuming fire, Hebrews says. May you remember God's character. Reset your mind. Focus on God's character. Write out remembrances of how God has worked in you and Harvest KL, your small group, your life. Praise him for that. Spend some time thanking him for that. Praise him. Rest in God's power. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The days ahead aren't easy, but you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you as you put your sufficiency and your strength and you source it from Jesus Christ and remain in gospel partnership. Don't run away. Lean into Harvest Kale. Lean into other churches. Lean into those around you that love you and are want to carry the burdens with you. The Philippians bore the burdens of Paul. Us, Pastor Nate, Larry, others around you are rallying together to help carry your burdens. We love you. And God is with you. And so are we. You are very, very, very loved. I pray, Father, I just thank you so much for who you are. I just pray that you would move in a mighty way. God, I pray that you would stir up a holy passion in the hearts of my brothers and sisters at Harvest Kuala Lumpur. God, that you would be exalted, that you would be, uh, that you would reign, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, that you would lead them, and that you would guide them. God, that you would just be worshipped and adored, that you would make your name known and great, that you would use them in a mighty way that brings the gospel, not just to Malaysia, 
but to all of Southeast Asia, the Middle East, and around the world. Father God, I pray that you would do a work there beyond our wildest imagination as they anchor in your love, because that's what your word says in Ephesians chapter 3, 20 and 21. That's what you want to do and can do and will do. Father, I pray that they would remember and be content in the strength of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you would be central to their lives and our lives, and that you continue to lead them today and every day. God, we thank you for what you have done, and we look forward to what you will do. We stand together in victory, God, as we anchor our lives in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as we go forward together for the gospel of Jesus Christ. In your mighty, mighty name that we pray, in the name that is above every other name, the conquering name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You are loved.